Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Casey takes a break from sabbatical to share what the Lord is doing in him and how that will affect the future of Gatekeepers. If you want to learn more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Love you guys, man. Missed y'all. I've missed you guys. I've been on sabbatical, for those of you who don't know, so I, uh, I have not been here since uh, November, and uh, I came back a little early, honestly, just because I missed you, for no other reason than that. Y'all are all expecting some grand thing. I just wanted to come up here and preach. It's been a while. I love you guys. I've missed you. It's so good to be here. Um, so, uh, listen, the Lord, uh, he's been doing a lot of things in me on sabbatical, uh, and uh, I've been talking to Billy a lot uh, on sabbatical, talking to Dustin uh, a lot, and uh, I just wanted to let you guys in on everything that the Lord is doing uh, in me, and uh, I, I don't really, I mean, I've got notes, you guys know me, I always have notes, uh, I'm going to Lord willing, I'm going to stick to these, and I'm, it's going to be a little hard, because I'm a little emotional, so I just need you to bear with me, okay, the Lord's doing a lot, you guys know what that's like, cool. So what we're going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of my history in ministry, and I'm going to give you some key kind of uh, moments in my ministry history over the last almost uh, 10 years. Uh, and as we go through that, hopefully you guys uh, will get a sense in what the Lord is kind of doing in me. Uh, and then I'm going to, at that point, start talking to you about everything that God's speaking to me on sabbatical. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history. I'm going to tell you what the Lord is saying on sabbatical, what God's doing in my life, and then uh, we're going to talk about how that affects us going forward. Amen? Amen. All right. Cool. Well, I am, uh, I'm 32, about to be 33. Yeah, I know. I look way older than that. It's the beard. Uh, 32 going on 33. I started ministry full-time at 23 years old. Any 23-year-olds in the room? Any? Yeah, there we go. Right, so I started full-time ministry in 23. Pastor Dustin took a, uh, a huge leap of faith in hiring a very incompetent but very zealous 23-year-old. Right? I loved Jesus, I loved people, and I loved the Word, but holy cow, I would never hire a 23-year-old to do a youth pastor job ever. I have no idea what he was thinking. But he hired me, glory to God, and I started in high school ministry. Now, here's the thing about our high school ministry. It was pretty awesome. We had, I mean, you were talking about a giant ministry. We had a dozen people, right? We had 12 people, and the best part is, I'm not even sure they were saved. You ever go to that youth group? It's just, everyone's dating each other. They're playing all kinds of weird, sinful things, and they're just, they're just I'm not sure they're saved, right? So I remember taking over the youth group, and I had just enough Bible in me to be dangerous, and I remember going to our elders, and they said, what's your plan of attack for the youth ministry? And I said, oh. I'm going to weed out all the ones who are not serious about Jesus. I said, I'm going to preach the hardest messages I know to preach, and I'm going to try to repel the ones who actually don't want to be here. And maybe after about six months of telling them how horrible they are, maybe I'll be left with a core group of about six or so, and we can rebuild the youth ministry. That was my train of thought. And uh, I'll be honest with you, something amazing happened. Some of you guys have heard this story. Uh, I, I remember the title of my first message. It was titled, So You Think You're Saved, 
and I preached out of Revelation 3, church in Laodicea, right? And again, just enough Bible to be dangerous. I am sure I probably don't believe half the things that I preached in that message at 23 today. However, I called everyone to repentance, called them out of lukewarmness, and the most amazing thing happened. They started breaking up with their boyfriends and girlfriends who they were in compromise with. They started reading their Bible. They started coming to church. They started fasting. They started praying. We then started a a Bible study shortly thereafter. And I thought, if you're going to kill a youth ministry, this is how you kill a youth ministry. We were going to go through a book of the Bible every week, and it was going to be a three-hour-long intensive study. A bunch of 14, 15, 16-year-olds, right? Now, I listen, we had just had the so you think you're saved moment, right? So we had a couple months of that. Then we decided we're going to start this Bible study. And lo and behold, it became the most attended thing that we offered. That every Sunday night, people would show up with their Bibles, their journals, their pens. They'd read an entire book of the Bible right then and there. I'm talking like Romans book of the Bible. And they'd start to journal, and the Lord would meet them, and we'd come together, and we'd have the most robust discussion about what the Lord is showing through through the Word to each and every one of us. I think there's probably a few people who were still originally at that group. If you were in that group, raise your hand for me. There we go. We got Miss Riley over there. Brianna, I think you might, were you in there? You might have been in there. Sweet. Oh, y'all were still in middle school. You just ate, oh, man, I feel old. All right? One of you was there, and it was awesome. But here's the thing, guys, I, I, something happened to me. That was, a very, that was a very significant season of life for me because I kind of got into ministry, honestly, I didn't want to do youth ministry. I just wanted to senior pastor. I wanted to eventually lead my own church or plant my own church or take over Pastor Dustin's church when he retired. Like I had, that was my kind of frame of reference for ministry. And, and youth ministry was just the natural stepping stone, right? But something amazing happened. When you start calling all these young people repentance, when you start seeing them come alive for the Bible, all of a sudden my heart started coming alive for them, right? And I fell in love with young people, but I also fell in love with something else. A core value was instilled in me in that season. I didn't know I had it, but I I remember thinking, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to see people come alive for the word, because what I was watching was as young people were coming alive for the word, their relationships with the Lord were growing more vibrant. That they were, they, were, they were voluntarily giving up their sin and they were, they were calling fasts on their own. I'll never forget, actually, Riley, right there, somebody called a 17-day fast. Why 17? Couldn't tell you, but they were like, we need a 17-day fast. And we were all like, yes, we're going to 17-day fast it. And Riley passed out halfway through it and she was like, I still want to fast. It was awesome. I mean, God was like blowing it up in there, and it was so cool. And I just remember saying, oh, my gosh, I'm so grateful to get to do this for a living because I get to watch people come alive for the word. And as they come alive for the word, they come alive for Jesus. And it makes my job a heck of a lot easier because that basically makes Jesus your pastor. And it was really awesome. It was a great season. And all of my focus was on preaching and teaching the Bible whether it was in the pulpit or whether it was doing Bible studies. But then we did something uh, pretty spectacular, and the Lord leads us to merge with a Baptist church. Now, we're, you know, the fun, crazy, tongue-talking Pentecostals, amen, right? And now we're going to merge with this Baptist church 
and it, it, for them, it was really Father, Son, and Holy Bible, right? It was, they had no grid for Holy Spirit, right? And so you can imagine the culture shock that that brought, and my job actually changed. I've been doing a lot of, you know, just, you know, just thinking about, you know, the last 10 years, and I realized in that moment, in that season, my job changed. Because before, I was basically just set free to teach the Bible and get and do Bible studies and, you know, just see people come alive for the word. But when you all of a sudden are merging two cultures together, there's a lot of relational fallout that comes with that. And so what I found myself doing was a lot more one-on-ones, relational, counseling, life coaching type things. And it was because we're merging two cultures and people don't get us and we've got to get relationships between this group of people and this group of people. We've got to get it a little bit more solid and we get, you know, we've got to strive for unity. And, and so a lot of my job switched from doing the thing that I really probably fell in love with first in ministry to doing a lot of the relational stuff. And that kind of formed and morphed into doing a lot of discipleship and mentorship, which I also really did love. And I, I came to love that greatly. And so the dust kind of starts to settle with, with the merge with the Baptist church, only to find out later on that the middle school pastor from the Baptist side was having an affair. And it was one of a legal nature, right? And that just rocked, not just our youth group, just rocked our church. And so once again, most of my time or a lot of my time is starting to get spent doing the relational stuff. we got to walk people through this. This is, this is a mess. We're doing a church merge with two completely different, almost opposing denominations. And now we've got a major scandal in the church. And now we've got to just, we've got to deal with the ramifications of that. And so I'm still preaching. We're still doing the Bible studies, but really all my bandwidth and my heart you know, the, my heart capacity is kind of given towards getting people through this just tough season. And then the dust starts to settle, and finally we're in the promised land, and then we merge again. <laughs> Pastor Dustin gets another dream, and now we're merging with International House of Prayer, but this one should be easier because at least, you know, they're Pentecostal. You know, that's what I'm thinking. It was, it was easier, for sure. But here's the thing. When we, merged with, uh, when we merged with IHOP, we had to kind of merge ministries, right? And so here was how we were doing at Newbridge. We were, I, was the young, or I was the youth pastor with a little bit of college students in my youth ministry because we didn't have a college ministry. And so it just made sense that if you graduated, you just stay with me. We, we'd, just, you know, we'd minister together. It'd be awesome. Well, their young adult ministry was called Forerunner Church, right? And they had predominantly college students with a little bit high school students. And so it really made sense when we did the merge, oh, well, why don't I just continue to do what I feel called to do, high school ministry, right? You guys take the college students. It's perfect. Forerunner will be the college ministry. Uh, The Forge is what we called uh, our high school ministry. That will continue to be the high school ministry for this new merged environment. And so I'm doing my due diligence, right? And part part of the merge culture is you just, you guys start, you gotta get to know everybody, right? And we're merging with a bunch of people that I've never met before in my life. Right? And so I've got a, a meeting set with Jamie Pridgen. Right? And Jamie Pridgen is the pastor of Forerunner Church, which was their young adult ministry. And I'd only known Jamie by reputation. And to be honest with you, I didn't like Jamie because Jamie made me feel very inferior. And I've told him that. Right? All I'd ever heard about is, oh, you, you think you know the Bible? Go talk to Jamie Pridgen. And I'd be like, are you kidding me? I know like three books of the Bible, bro. Don't come at me. So all everybody, Forerunner Church is blowing up. Jamie's awesome. 
he's amazing. And I had this, you know, this nasty, I'm like, ah, now I got to go meet with this guy who, who I'm jealous of and I don't even like, and I've never met him, but I got, oh, it's going to be horrible. He's got to be a jerk. And if you've seen him, no shade on him, he looks like a jerk. <laughs> he's a big jock-looking guy who's got a blank stare all the time, walks around like a caveman. Just, ugh. Right? Like, hey, Jamie. Ugh. Now, he's a friend of mine, so that's why I'm picking on him, okay? Now, how many of you guys were here when Jamie was preaching last month? So you know what I'm talking about, okay? So I go meet Jamie at Chipotle. Yeah. Yep, everyone loves Chipotle. So I go to meet him there, and I get... The shock of my life, this guy who I thought was going to be this arrogant, prideful, know-it-all jerk, ends up probably being the most kind, loving, humble, genuine dude I've ever met. And we're sitting down, we're, we're having uh, lunch at Chipotle, and he begins, he be, Chipotle, 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 oh, time out, here's the question. Who speaks, who speaks Spanish? Okay, what is it? Okay, you're all wrong. <laughs> Whatever, I won't say it again. We're at the place that shall not be named. I'm having lunch with Jamie Pridgen. And he begins, this is, this is really important, right? So he begins to confide in me some very vulnerable things. And I, I realized that he wasn't the guy that I thought he was. And he starts to explain to me how hard ministry has been for him. And he'd been running the ministry longer than I had. And he started explaining to me that, that Forerunner, it started off really good, and God was just moving, and, and it was powerful, and there were people getting saved and delivered and set free, and, and he was running with his wife, and it was just this match made in heaven, but his life kicked in, and they started to have more kids, and his wife had to kind of pull out a little bit. All of the, the responsibility was on him, and, and he's talking to me, and he's going, I just, he goes, I feel like the ministry's not doing well. He goes, I can't care for people the way that I'm supposed to care for people. I can, it's all I can do to show up and preach. I'm just, I'm struggling. The ministry's struggling, and I just need some help. I just want someone to come run alongside me, and I'll never forget. You want to talk about how simple and wicked I was? I thought in the moment, must be you. I really did. In the moment, I started thinking about all the legendary stories that I had about Forerunner Church and Jamie and I started thinking, well, my ministry's thriving. We're doing well. And I didn't even stop to consider, maybe I should step into this guy's pain as he's being honest and vulnerable with me. And uh, he just shows you how prideful and insecure I was. So, by the way, I've told all that to him, so we laugh about it today. So that's why I feel comfortable sharing it here. I... Uh, but it puts me in a dilemma. You see, he's getting ready to take all the college students, right? And I've got a big group of college students who's getting ready to go over there. I've got a bunch of seniors getting ready to graduate high school. I've got a few other college students who've been with us for a long time. And these are not just normal people. I don't have just kind of a normal relationship with these guys because you have to understand, I just walked them through two really difficult church mergers and a major scandal. So I've got, I've got real deep relationship with these guys. And the thought of sending them to a ministry where I knew they probably wouldn't get the care that I thought in the moment that they needed 
that hurt. I didn't know what to do with that. Because, again, this is not a normal youth group. They've seen some stuff together in the course of a very short time. And so I met with Billy, and Billy's given me this new vision about youth ministry, ways, things that I had never even considered. You're like, it's, you know, it's a movement, and you're getting me, I'm like, yes, it's got to be a movement, it's going to be, you know, I was getting like so excited, and, and so I, I start to go and pray, and I'm like thinking about this dilemma, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, a, what do I do about this? Like, do, do, I, do I just send our guys in good faith to go? Because the last time I did something in good faith, it came back to bite me in the rear end with our middle school pastor. What do I do? At the same time, I'm going, I need to be, we need to be more than just a youth group. We need to, we need to be like a movement, man. I'm getting like vision for something more than what I had. And, and I remember sitting in prayer in my office, and I'm going, Lord, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And it was clear as day. He goes, I want you to merge with Forerunner Church, and I want you to be the very guy that Jamie says he needs, and I want you to run with him and link arms with him and champion him and do ministry together, and I'm going to bless it. You're going to do high school. You're going to do college together. It's going to be awesome. So I called Jamie, and I'm like, hey, dude, I know we just, like, we literally just met that one time. What do you think about this? And if you know Jamie at all, he's like, huh, okay. Yeah, let me think about it. Let me talk to Billy. They go, and they have their conversation, and next thing you know, the high school group's going to merge with the college group. We're going to do it together, and we're going to do Forerunner Church, and it was so exciting because he, here's the thing about Jamie. If you guys were here last week, one of the things you'll realize is that dude can preach. Amen? He knows the word like nobody's business. He's the guy that I call when I have Bible questions today. Right? And so he's going to do the thing that he feels called and excited to do in this new iteration. He's going to preach, and he's going to teach, and he's going to facilitate encounters with the Lord, and he's going to blow it up, and I get to do the things that I had learned to do over two mergers and scandal. I'm going to meet with people. I'm going to develop relationships with people. I'm going to be the pastor type guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the operational stuff, man, because I'm getting real vision for stuff after talking to Billy. I'm like, man, we could take the schools. We got to do house churches. We gotta do, I'm, I'm getting all this amazing vision. And it's really, guys, it's like, it's not without its challenges, but it's really working lockstep together. He's doing what he feels called to do. I'm doing what I feel called to do. I love this guy. He loves me. He's so easy. It's just, it's, it's, it's working. Then the pandemic hits. Can't win for losing, right? So we become forerunner church. I'm spending most of my time doing relationship, most of my time doing mentorship, most of my time doing discipleship, and most of my time vision casting and creating little sub ministries that will serve you guys well and serve what the Lord is doing in our region well. And I'm spending all of my focus and my bandwidth on that and preaching. Very little. But when the pandemic hits, me and Jamie are like putting our heads together and going, well, how the heck are we, what are we going to do? We're just trying to keep the ministry together. We have no idea what's going to happen after the lockdown. We just don't know anything, you know. Never done this before. But during the pandemic, the Lord begins to prophetically speak to Jamie. If you know anything about Jamie, when the Lord speaks prophetically, it literally cannot be ignored. It is, you might as well have lights in the sky right, saying, this is what I want you to do, and the Lord begins to speak to Jamie about transitioning out, and I had tons of conversations with him, right, and it was so clear that the Lord was moving him on, and there was part of me that was, like, excited about it, because I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to get to, like, shape this, this is going to be mine, this is exciting, but honestly, there was a lot of, a lot of, um, there's a lot of sadness, and it hit me a lot harder than I expected it to, because when Jamie transitioned out, all of a sudden, the guy who was really the face, 
The guy who was the one in charge of preaching and teaching, he's gone, and now I've got to do it all. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not known for having incredibly high capacity. Doing it all was not something that I really wanted to do or signed up to do. And so Jamie transitions out, and I go, okay, I have got to start preaching and teaching every week. That's a non-negotiable. But what I, I don't know how to do is to preach and teach and to do it well, to do discipleship and mentorship and maintain my relationship with people well and catch the vision and cast the vision and cultivate the vision and see the vision come to pass with everything else like house churches and GGC ministry and outreaches and giving to the poor and the lost. I mean, we had like all these grand things that were, you know, we were kind of doing and I, I just didn't have the bandwidth to be able to do it all. You guys ever been in a place where you just, you don't feel like you have the capacity to function and everything? And so I just knew, okay, I've got to, something's going to have to give. I'm not going to be able to give myself to all three of these and have any of these succeed. So I started to ask, what is it that I'm supposed to really give myself to? Well, I had clear Bible that I'll be held accountable for how I teach and preach. So I knew I needed to give a lot of my bandwidth to that. And I had a lot of Bible on, on how I needed to love and care for the flock and take care of you guys. So I had a ton of Bible on that. The one thing I didn't have a ton of Bible on is, is how I'm supposed to do the, all the operational stuff and, and, and how am I supposed to build sub-ministries and vision cast and all that kind of stuff. And so, so here's what ended up happening is in 2020, that kind of pastoral vision, operational in nature, creating ministries, creating an environment that's going to serve you guys more than just a Thursday night, that part of me basically got shunned. And for two years, the last two years, I've been focused on the thing that I knew without a shadow of a doubt the Lord was calling me to do, which was to teach and preach. And so if you noticed in the last two years you've been running with us, that's really been the emphasis it's kind of me getting back to my roots, and I didn't really have language for it then, but it's, it's me going back to that place when I had the, the, the dozen uh, you know, high school students, and it's, it's me preaching and teaching the Bible, and it's me getting them in the Bible and seeing them come alive with the Bible. And so for the last like two years, all of my bandwidth was really put towards that and getting Bible content out to you guys and then still trying to manage the relational piece and still trying to manage the discipleship piece. But if you've noticed in the last two years, we actually haven't had a whole lot of vision beyond ourselves. As a matter of fact, if you would have asked me, what's your vision? Casey, not gatekeepers, what's Casey's vision? I would have just said, I just got to preach the Bible best I can. I got to get the word into them, and I got to help them so they don't fall away at the end of the age. That's, that's how I'm thinking. And so everything that we are creating is me trying to get Bible content to you guys. And so we end up doing sermon series and, you know, whatever, 36 long week sermon series in the book of Genesis, right? It's a pretty good series. It's a pretty good series. Then we go to Exodus, and then we start dabbling in numbers a little bit, right? You guys, so all of those things, and I didn't have language for it then. You have to understand this. But I just, there was something in me that was like, I now have to do this, and I know that I'm going to be held accountable for how I preach and teach, and I've got to labor over this. And so I didn't have it in me. And if you know me at all, you just know that I don't have it in me to come up here and wing it. I'm going to stand before the Lord for all the sermons that I just got up here and just started speaking my own opinion. And so every sermon that I give it, man, it's thoughtful. It's, I'm studying it. I am, I am praying through it. You're going to get 15 hours of prep work for a one-hour sermon is probably about what you're going to get. 
because I wanted it to be good and helpful for your soul and helpful for your relationship with Jesus. But what I realized on sabbatical is the only thing in the last two years that I've had vision for is that. And really, if I'm honest with you, Gatekeepers has been a little shortchanged because you have a leader who doesn't really have big level, macro level vision as far as where we need to go as gatekeepers. I had kind of singular vision. I I just got to get you guys into the Bible. I got to get the Bible in you. I need to get you in the word. That way your relationship with the Lord thrives. And that sounds really great, but I'm just telling you, you can't build a ministry on just teaching. Gatekeepers has to be more than just you guys coming to hear a good sermon and getting a good encounter with the Lord. Now, that's great. I love the encounter with the Lord part especially. But it's got to be more than that. We've got to be outside of ourselves. We've got to create. We've got we've to move from point A to point B. No church is just built on teaching. And no successful youth and young adult ministry is built just on teaching. And yet I realize that that's the only thing that I've had real passion and real zeal on in the last two years. And I knew that, I think, leading up to sabbatical. Do you remember... My last sermon to you guys, I, I gave, a, I gave a, a, just a little one-liner, and, and I actually went back and re-listened to the sermon because I was, I was trying to remember what it was, and this is what I said. I said, listen, guys, I'm leaving as your pastor. For most of you, I'm not leaving as your pastor, but I'm leaving as your Bible teacher. Do you remember that? And that was a real pain point for me. Because I remember putting together that sermon and realizing that that kind of pastoral touch that I had at some point, I, I don't think I had that anymore. Not that I wasn't thinking about us as a, a flock or, a, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about, it, but I was just, it was so singularly focused. And I realized for so many of you in the room, you don't even know who I am. I don't know you. I don't know your story. And that was like a major pain point for me because I realized I am your Bible teacher more than I'm your pastor. And you guys really deserve a pastor. And so my, my promise to you was going into sabbatical. That was going to be fixed. Because you pair this, you know, I'm just, I'm only getting vision and I'm only getting zeal behind preaching and teaching the word mixed with just the normal burnout of ministry. And and I started to pull away and the Lord's revealing that and it's kind of dramatic and it's painful. He's using Philippians 2 to just cut me to the core. And so I stand up here and I tell you guys, hey, I I don't want to be this way anymore. I recognize this is an issue. I'm keeping people at arm's distance and I'm praying and hoping and expecting the Lord to deal with me on this when I go on sabbatical. And guys, glory to God, he was dealing with me when I went on sabbatical and it was awesome. He starts showing me all kinds of issues in my heart and he's doing like major surgery and I'm like so excited to see everybody now and I'm like so excited to serve people again and so excited to love the church again and love you guys again. And then in December, the Lord's starting to reveal, you know, all this just kind of stuff in me. And he's starting to do the surgery on me. And he's giving me a new desire to love and a new desire to serve. And a new desire to, I don't know, maybe pastor. I'm just, I'm, I, you know, I'm, he's doing all of this stuff in me. I start to ask some hard questions. I start to ask hard questions to my wife. And I start to ask hard questions to the Lord. I'm going, okay, God. I can't go back and do gatekeepers the way that I was operating before. It's not fair to them. And so I need you to change this in me or I need you to move me. But I know that what they need is more than what I was offering before. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not getting down on myself, so please don't. Anyone think I'm getting down on myself because, you know what, you had a great Bible teacher for a long time. So, but you did need more than that. Okay? I was just saying, because I can hear some of you being like, no, don't get down. No, listen. When you call a spade, what a, call a spade a spade. You needed more than what I was offering. And so I start to pray, and um, this amazing thing happens. I basically just tell the Lord, I'm like, I'm laying it all down. I'm out of the machine of ministry. I'm out of the bias of seeing your faces every day, which makes me very biased, right? And, and, and I go, okay, Lord, what would you have me do? And, and moreover, what do I want to do? Should I continue in gatekeepers? Should I quit the ministry? Should I go work? I'm mean, like, I'm just everything. Everything's just laying out on the table. And that's just kind of what you do on sabbatical. And I didn't even know I was going to do that. You got to hear me. God is my witness. I had no, no inkling that I would even lay anything down on the table when I was on sabbatical because I'm thinking, okay, I'm burned out and all I've got is vision for teaching. So therefore I need to get some more vision on sabbatical. I need to take a little bit of vacation and come back and I'm going to be fully charged and it's going to be awesome. And so I'm asking the Lord, you know, like, what should I do? And I'm, I'm talking to my wife, and we're having conversations for about two months. And I'm, I'm coming to some hard realizations about me and my ministry style, and I'm, I'm coming to some um, exciting things, too. I mean, it's like, it's, it's good, it's bad, it's hard, it's, you know, it's awesome. But um, I basically, I look at my wife, and I say, hey, you, you know me. You know me better than anybody. You know my strengths, you know my weaknesses. And I just, I have this new intense desire to serve our people, all of our people, not just gatekeepers, all of our people. And I don't, I, I just want to know that when I go back, I'm serving in the place that I'm supposed to serve. And, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the biggest impact. And I said, if you could just put me anywhere, Kristen, where do you think I, ha- where do you think I have the most to offer? And she had a, a, a really interesting answer. She said, I think, you're, I think you're called to teach, and I think you're called to preach. And I said, well, that's not super helpful, because <laughs> I'm already doing that at Gatekeepers. And we started having a little bit longer conversations. One of, the beauty, one of the beautiful things about sabbatical, guys, is I've been able to talk to my wife more than I've talked to her in 10 years. We have every night together. It's been amazing. And so we're having these, like, real deep conversations and, and I start having, guys, I start kind of confiding some stuff into her where I'm going, okay, if I'm, she's asking me, she's like, well, what would you do? And I'm going, okay, I think it'd be gatekeepers, but if it wasn't gatekeepers, this is what it would be. And I start to really dream with her, man. And it's kind of outlandish. I said, I, I think I'm called to preach and teach the Bible. And, and I think that's why I've had such passion and zeal around that point singularly for so long. And I think that's why that's been the thread in ministry for so long. I really think this is what I'm called to do. And if I could just shape it any way I'd want, any way I could, I'd start a school. That I'd start some kind of Bible training school. We could send young people and old people and everybody in the mix. They could, you know, people who want to be leaders and, and pastors and whatever. And we could train them and get them in the word and get them rightly dividing the word. Because guys, I've done different denominations, Bible colleges. I've done internships. I've done all of the things. And I'm, I'm like, I, I've never quite seen somebody hit the nail. And I would love to just see us hit the nail. And I'm like thinking about all the Bible content that we have that comes out of this house, stuff on Song of Solomon and in times and stuff that's just radically changed me. And I remember telling my wife, I'm like, I just, 
I went, if I could just do anything, I would just start school and we'd teach the Bible and we'd train people in the Bible and they'd go out and they'd start churches and they'd start ministries, they'd start Bible studies in the workplace, but they would be, they would be sound. And what I said is, I, would, I just want to create little theologians that burn for Jesus. Little theologians that burn for Jesus. And if you guys have been with me for a couple of years, you kind of know that's honestly been our bend and I didn't have language for it. And uh, she goes, yeah, that's, that's, she goes, I could see you doing that. She's like, fat chance, though. I mean, you can't just start a school. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't just start a school. But I'm just saying. <laughs> and I say, well, but in, in the context of ministry, maybe I'd be like a teaching pastor where my whole job is getting to teach and to preach and to see people come alive for the word and to see it just, just radically transform people's relationship with the Lord. But I'm 32, first of all. And no 32-year-old should ever be the, pa- the teaching pastor of a church. I'm just going to tell you right now. Too young. So I just having this conversation with Kristen. And out of that conversation, I come to the realization, maybe I'm not supposed to do gatekeeping. Because my heart's coming alive more for this concept, this ethereal concept of training people in the word than it is for gatekeepers. And I'm getting more excitement around that than I am around just doing gatekeepers. And I don't know why, guys, because this is not, this is so out of left field for me. And so Kristen and I talk about it, and we start thinking, okay, maybe I got two to maybe five years left at gatekeeping. And we start to transition. And maybe at that point I could start some kind of cool school, you know, Gate City, Gate City School of Ministry, something like that. And, you know, we could stop sending people over to other places and we could start training people really well here. And, like, you know, I'm, you know that's what I'm thinking, two to three years. And so I, uh, I get reached out to by our beloved pastor, Billy, and uh, hasn't talked to me at all on sabbatical. But he texts me and he goes, hey, let's fish. It's been too long. January, fish are starting. Let's go. And so it's like the end of January at this point, beginning of February. And um, the first thing we talk about, remember on the ride up, you had gotten a phone call from the guy about starting a school, right? And, and we're talking about that in the, in, the, in the truck on the way up. But I'm like, he, you know, we're just getting geeked out about the idea of maybe starting some kind of school here. And I haven't told him anything that I've said to Kristen, nothing. We did say hello. That's true. My bad. We probably said hello. We probably said hello, allegedly. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I think we did. I don't remember, man. Listen, just let me tell my story. This is my truth, Billy. Let me live my truth. So we go, we go fish, and we're talking. Billy had just got a phone call about this guy, and he's like, man, maybe we could start a school, and he's dreaming. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that'd be like really cool. And I haven't said anything to him because, to be honest with you, my cards, I'm just, I'm, this is all personal. And I'm like, I'm not sure what to do about any of this, man. This is like, I'm like two and a half months into sabbatical. I've still got four months. I, this could just be a phase. And by the end of this thing, who knows? And so I've had all these conversations with Kristen. I've had a few conversations with Dustin. Billy's throwing out this thing about the school. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And we start fishing. And now you, here's what you got to remember. At this point, Billy's been preaching here for a few weeks, right? Remember when the Lord's like blowing it up? Yeah, right? So here's the thing you need to know about Billy is Billy gets really geeked out about things sometimes, right? And so he's here, and God's moving, and he's only been here like two or three weeks, and he is buzzing about gatekeepers, right? And he's like, 
he's like, man, it's blowing up. It's just so cool. And he's like, uh, he, and he starts telling me this. Uh, he starts, Isaiah, I didn't realize you were right there, man. That's, I'm just welcome home. I'm sorry. Anyway, I haven't seen her since she left for YWAM. So it's good to see you again. So um, he starts, he starts, he starts talking about gatekeepers. And here's the thing, guys, is he starts, he starts talking about this vision for gatekeepers, right? And I'm like, I'm, I'm hearing it a little bit, and I'm like, yeah, man, that's like really right. And it is not me. And I'm getting a little nervous because he starts telling me just his desire as the pastor of our environment, what he'd like to see for gatekeepers and what he'd like to see for, for 212 and what he'd like to see in all of our environments, right? Because that's what a leader does. And he's excited about it. And I'm sitting there listening to him. And I'm going, man, everything you're saying sounds like the Lord. I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I'm wired for this. And I go kind of silent in the boat. And I just say to him, I said, hey, I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's me. And that's like a hard place. To, I mean, I thought I was just going to go fish, right? And we're having this like really intense conversation. And I'm like having this moment realizing, oh, wait a second. I don't think I can take us where, where, where we're supposed to go. And where I even felt in the moment, yeah, that's right. That's where we're supposed to go. And so I just say, hey, man, I don't, I don't know if that's me. And you know, I might be able to fake it till I make it kind of thing, but you know, and so it kind of forces me to play some of my cards. I just say, okay, I'm going to start telling them a little bit of these conversations that I've had with Kristen. And at this point, I've, you know, I've kind of told them, you know, yeah, everything's on the table. You know, did you do that on sabbatical? Oh, yeah, I did that on sabbatical. Okay, cool, cool. And I start telling them, I don't know if I'm supposed to do gatekeepers, Billy. The Lord's been speaking to me. He's been speaking to my wife. And I don't. I just, I'm not saying I'm not supposed to. I just don't know if I am, right? And I just kind of asked him. I said, I said the same thing to my wife. I said, you know me. I mean, where do you think I could serve? Like, where, where am I going to make the biggest impact? And he's so, here's the thing I love about you, Billy. I'm just going to give you a shout out. You just, you don't want to manipulate. We talked about that the other day. But like, I remember pressing you. Tell me what you think. And you just wouldn't tell me. Like, you were certain. No, no, you just, like, you know, you just tell me. You tell me what you feel like you're supposed to do. And I'm like, I don't, no, 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 I, I don't, I got a million things I want to do. What do you think I should do? And he finally just relents, and I'm over there, for the record, probably catching fish. He's not caught anything. <laughs> and he says, I've got a giant on the line, and he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, well, brother, I, he goes, I, I, I don't know, he goes, but I, I don't think you'll be happy unless you're preaching and teaching. And he goes, I, I just think, he goes, I just, whatever it is, I just think it has to include that. Right? And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. But again, every, that's helpful, but it's not helpful. What does that look like? And uh, he starts to unpack this kind of just an idea. He goes, well, you know, we're thinking about starting this school and we do discipleship and Bible training and, you know, all of these things. And he's like, I just, you know, I guess I, I honestly think you'd be really good at it. He goes, and I'm not trying to get you out. He's like, I'm happy with you. I love you. I want you to be what you're called to do. But if you're telling me that, that maybe you're not called to do this, but you're called to teach and preach, maybe process this and pray about this. And immediately I'm like, whoa. I was just talking to Kristen about doing some kind of school and Bible training. And this seemed like some far-fetched five-year plan. And here's Billy 
extending at least a, a, an invitation to, to pray about it. And, uh, you know, he's like, so, so tell me, what are, you, what are you thinking about that? And I'm like, dude, I just don't know. I've got all kinds of emotions. I'm on sabbatical. Honestly, I just, I, got, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, and he goes, and I, I just say this. I said, there's one hang-up. He goes, okay, what's that? I go, well, I can't leave gatekeepers. Why not? And I was like, well, the, there's nobody to take my place. And though I'm realizing that I'm not the perfect leader, I'm still pretty good. <laughs> just being honest. And I'm just going, I can't leave and let somebody who's worse, somebody who's not going to devote themselves to, to, to teaching and preaching, somebody who's going to come in here and just wing it and shoot from the hip. We can't risk that. We can't just have some young guy who doesn't know what he's doing show up and start leading you guys. That wouldn't be fair to y'all because a lot of you guys have been through a ton of transition with us. And so I just, I just lay it out for him. I'm like, I can't leave because there's no one to replace me because whoever replaces me, they'd have to be better. They'd have to be an upgrade. And I literally, Billy, I'm not kidding you, basically starts to snicker a little bit. And I go... I'm telling my truth, bro. <laughs> telling my truth. This is actually a real moment, though. It's a real tender moment because I'm kind of confiding in Billy about the stuff that's going on inside of me, and he's just trying to be a good pastor and listen. And he goes, um, he goes, hey, man, can I, can I just tell you something that's been in my heart? He goes, I haven't told any, really anyone this. I just, I wasn't going to say it unless you had said something. And, uh, and I said, yeah, what is it? And he goes, uh, he goes, man, I was, he goes, I was at Gatekeepers, and I just was having so much fun. And uh, he goes, I, I just found myself thinking, you know, I really could do this again. I could do young adult ministry again. And uh, he, goes, I, he goes, I'm just saying, he goes, if you're telling me that you feel like the Lord is maybe transitioning you out, and he goes, I, I, I want to honor that. In you and he goes and I want to find where you feel like you're called to be and he goes but I'm just telling you I would step in if it means setting you free because I kind of feel like the Lord's asking me to do the same thing and so we're literally I mean we're like we're like yeah that's cool you guys can clap for that right and so what's my one reservation well, it's got to be an upgrade all right and I go, well, yeah, I mean, that would, that would work, Billy. <laughs> you, you preach better than me. You're geeked out on vision over here, and I'm over here struggling to keep up. And you're starting a school, but you don't have a leader. And the Lord's telling me and my wife, talking to me about doing a school and Bible training. Yeah, that feels like the Lord. Right? And so we continue on the fishing trip. I absolutely smoke him. It's a competition every time. <laughs> I think the score was like 30 to 6, maybe. <laughs> Something like that. It's my truth. My time to shine. <laughs> no, it was probably closer. But, um,. So he goes, I tell you what, he goes, you just, you just pray. Because you pray, I'll pray. He's like, this, this, this took a left turn. This was not how, we were just supposed to fish, right? And um, so I go home, dude, and I'm like, I like sit down with Kristen, and I go, hey, listen, you'll never guess what just happened. And she's like, what? And I start telling her, and she's like, 
huh, okay? She's like Jamie, huh, okay? Now I get this text message from Pastor Dustin, who lives right behind me, and he goes, hey, I heard you had a conversation with Billy. Let me come over and talk to you. So we start talking for hours, and I start dreaming, and I start, I'm like just feeling in the moment, like, you know, the, the John the Baptist, you know, leaping in, leaping in Elizabeth's womb when, when she's near Jesus? It was just like one of those, like, man, yeah, that feels like really right, but if you know me at all, I am not the kind of person to go off a feeling or a little flip in my belly, okay? That's just not how I roll, right? I'm like, we got to pray, and Billy's like, we got to pray, and so we take about a month, and we just pray. I talk to everybody who's important to me. That's not true. That sounded like, because I didn't talk to, like, any of you. That's not what I'm trying to say. I talked, I talked to some key people in my life. I go to Pastor Chris and Christine, and I go to Dustin and Michelle, and I I, I even talked to my mom and dad a little bit about this. They're not Christians, and I'm talking to them about it, right? I'm like, I'm talking to these important people in my life, and I'm like, hey, what do you think? I'm talking to people who've done ministry with me, I'm t- and I'm just going, just bouncing it off. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And they're all like, yeah, I think this is it. I think this is the Lord. And I'm like, I think this is the Lord. And I'm getting, like, super jazzed about it. And so we go in and have a, another meeting about a month later, and it's me and all the leaders, and, and we're just kind of chewing it over. It's like a three-hour-long meeting, and I'm like getting all the, you know, I'm just getting all the details because I don't, I don't like saying yes to things that I don't have any kind of clarity on. Probably not a good thing, but I just needed a little clarity. And so we're in this meeting, and I'm talking, and I'm going, okay, I think this is the Lord. Give me another week. About two days later, I'm in prayer, and the Lord's like, this is it. Why, why are you stringing us along? I'm doing this. And he starts to just show me how clear He's been speaking for, for years and preparing me to do this for the last few years. And um, I get really excited, man. And uh, so obviously that leads to this you know, big announcement, here's why I'm here. We had a couple of choices. I could come to Gatekeepers after I got off sabbatical and tell you guys what's going on, or I could just go ahead and come now. So we decided it'd be best if I just went ahead and came Today, we were actually going to come last week, but uh, somebody got married. A little shout out. So all of that leads me to tell you, I feel like the Lord has sovereignly placed me here for the season that I'm in to prepare me for the next season. And I have taken a new position at Gate City where I'm going to be helping to lead this school, or leading rather, this school where we're going to be training you in the Bible and training you in discipleship and really helping not just young adults, but everybody in our church have a thriving and vibrant relationship with the Lord, which means that I'm going to be transitioning out of gatekeepers. And by grace, Billy is going to be stepping in to be your new pastor for the foreseeable future. So uh, I'm so excited, guys. Thank you for that. I'm so excited. But I'm also really sad. I'm going to be honest with you. Because uh, I'm going to really miss you. And I'm not, I'm not leaving, so there's the good news, right? Like, it feels like I'm dying. I'm actually not dying. 
But um, you know, this has been this has been ten years, and for a lot of you guys, some of you, you know, I've got to really run with you some, through some hard things, and uh, it's been such a joy to be your pastor. It's been such an honor, man, to get to teach you guys and to lead you and to see your relationships with the Lord and with each other grow. And um, I am so convinced that this is the Lord, man. I'm like so convinced. Guys, I'm so excited. I'm more excited for this than I've probably ever been for any stretch of ministry yet. But I'm still really sad. And I just want you guys to know y'all have been a dream. It has been, it's been awesome. You've been so encouraging. You know, ministry is not easy. It's just not. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd get together with other leaders and other pastors, and one of the things they'd always say is that you, you always get bombarded with criticism, and you don't ever get any encouragement. And I'd hear that from so many other leaders. They talk about ministry. It's just a lonely road where you're constantly criticized, and nobody's encouraging you, and you never get to see the fruit of your labor. And, and guys, that just has not been my testimony. You guys, for 10 years... Y'all have honestly kept me going because you've been so kind and so understanding and so gracious and so encouraging. Even when I didn't have vision and know where we were supposed to go, y'all ran with us. And I'm so excited because you're getting ready to get a leader who's so jazzed for you and so excited and zealous in vision. And it's going to serve y'all so, so well. And Lord willing, man, I'm going to come back and I'm going to preach and teach. And Lord willing, you guys are going to come through this school that we're starting. And so it's not like it's the end of our relationship or anything like that, but it does kind of feel like the end of an era a little bit. So uh, what I thought I'd do is I I just want to take a a few minutes to honor some people who've been running with me. This transition is going to start today. Today. We figured it made a lot of sense because there's... There's no reason for you guys to be in limbo without your leader around when your leader is actually here and around. Amen. And so we just thought, let's just go ahead and make the transition now, and I'm going to finish out the rest of my sabbatical. I've got a, seven more weeks, and then I'm back, and we're going to be in, in school mode, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But the transition does start tonight. And so starting next week, man, Really, starting after I get out of this, Billy's fully in charge. You guys, it's going to be awesome. But I wanted to take a moment and just honor a few people who've been, uh, who've been running with me. And uh, can I just, can I get Shelly and John and Peter? Can y'all just come up here? Forgive me, I'm sorry. You guys, you guys don't know how much you mean. There's been a lot of times where I really didn't want to, I didn't want to do ministry. And uh, you all have really kept me going. You've been such good friends. You've been so faithful. 
and watching your relationships with the Lord over the last few years has been honestly one of the biggest joys of my life. Watching you forsake everything and forsake your your job and your calling and you move into China and you get rocked by the Lord and you, you put it all on hold to be with Jesus. Watching you go from someone who wasn't even a Christian to a man of God and a steadfast friend and watching Shelly You've become a friend. And uh, we're going to do ministry together probably for a long time in all different kinds of ways. But I just thought it was fitting to call you up and to let these guys know how much, how much work you've put into this place. Guys, they're the ones who've stayed early or gone here early and stayed late. They're the ones who've been meeting with people. They're the ones who've been trying to get vision for this place. They're the ones, man, they, these guys been y'all. It's been y'all for years. And uh, I just wanted to tell you I love you, and I'm so grateful, and I've been so honored to run with each of you. So Shelly and John in particular, they're going to be transitioning out with me. Not with me, but if you guys know them, you know they're getting married. Not together. <laughs> oh, my bad, Danny. So John gets married May 7th, right? So John's, John's getting married in like less, oh, right at a month. Right, and then Shelly is getting married right behind him, and so the thought process for them was they've been running hard and they've been they've been real faithful, and uh, they were at least committed to stay until I got off sabbatical. But then they were going to be taking a break anyway and enjoying their marriage, and so they're going to take the opportunity and just focus on the next season in front of them. So you may see them occasionally come in and out, but their role at gatekeepers that's going to shift, that's going to that's going to go away, and you guys are going to be doing this new thing with your husband and with your wife and not together, husband and wife. <laughs> Peter, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> but let's just assume he's here because Peter's not getting married right now, amen? Praise God. Praise God. Do we, do we, I, I didn't brief anybody for service. Is Becca here? Do we... I know we have something for you guys, but I don't know if we have. Yes, we do. Praise the Lord. Okay. John, I wanted to get you a gift basket full of El Salvadoran food, and they laughed at me and said that was a bad idea. So I love you guys very much. So y'all can sit down. There's also a couple other people I want to thank while we're up here. I feel like at the Grammys. I'd like to thank my mom. Uh, Becca and James, will you guys come up here for a minute? I'm sorry. I love you guys, and I'm so sorry 
that I'm calling you up in front of everybody. You asked me not to. They demanded. But, oh, never mind, I was going to say something smart. Never mind. <laughs> you guys stepped in at a time where I really needed a break. And, um, you know, I, we both, we all know that I, this, was, this was out of left field. This was not something that, you know, I even thought was a, a, a possibility leading up to sabbatical. I was just tired. And um, if it were not for you guys stepping up and saying, we're going to take this thing for you, Guys, I, I wouldn't be set free to do the thing I feel called to do. And so you've been here for what, six months, five months, roundabout, and you weren't serving with us before, and I'm sure that you probably feel like, well, we, we just kind of stepped in to do this kind of temporary thing, and we're just trying to give you a break. It was so much more than that. It was not insignificant, which I could not do what I feel called to do if you all had not stepped in. I couldn't, and I'm so grateful for the two of you guys. I'm thankful for your faithfulness and your steadfastness. You guys have been here. You've had to put up with all kinds of stuff. I told you this was going to be the easiest thing in the world. It ended up not always being the easiest thing in the world because it's ministry. And y'all have been so good and so faithful and so honoring of me, and I felt so supported by y'all. And I just, I just want to say I, I couldn't do this without you, and I'm so thankful for y'all. So I love you. Okay. So I'm going to leave you with a final charge. You ready? Get a job. Read your Bibles. And don't stop coming to church. Amen? All right. Billy, come on up, bro. This is yours from this point forward. love this guy. I don't remember how many years ago, how many, when you first walked into Cornerstone? Uh, 15. 15 years ago, he walked in, believe it or not, this skinny, emaciated drug addict, yeah. right? That's right. And he walked in the door, didn't know Jesus. And I just watched you discover Jesus. And he just, I mean, he didn't, he didn't go in the shallow end of the pool. He went right to the High dive, climbed high, and just and just dove straight in. And it has been one of the greatest joys of my life. One of the greatest joys of my life. I count you. You have gone from a, a um, kid to somebody who I was mentoring to now you stand as my equal. And I, want, I mean that. When I hear you teach the word and speak the word, when I see you, I don't see little Casey. I see somebody who is my equal. And it won't be very long till I will be sitting at your feet, and you're going to be teaching me. It's already happening, but it's going to just increase, increase, increase. And I am so proud of you. I am shocked. We rode up to Kentucky earlier this week, and just hearing him expound the word for seven hours, mm. we're just going back and forth on the word of God. I'm just like, I'm just being humbled by your knowledge, your depth, your inquisitiveness, your hunger and your and your passion and I know Billy and I we've talked we were thinking about these things about who would be the best person to craft a vision for discipleship and taking our entire church family deep in the word of God and man you're not scraps I believe you are God's pick first choice choice you are you are you're the man 
for the job. And I'm so confident and I'm so proud of you. I am absolutely a get a, get a hug in there. Love you, man. <laughs> Love you. That's my spiritual father right there, man. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> we might need some boundaries. I, uh, well, and I was going to make reference to that, that Dustin is definitely your spiritual father. But over the last five years, as you and I have grown in relationship, and we've, we've spent so many hours together, and the truth is, he's a little better fisher than, than, than I am. It's true. <laughs> Not 36 to 9 or whatever the crap that was. That was just flat-out bold-faced lie, but... I just, that's not here or there. Let's not talk about those things. But uh, you and I have grown very close. And, uh, I, 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 you know, this is your spiritual father, but I'm the uncle, you know. And, bro, I couldn't be more blessed, more proud of you. I'm so excited for what God has coming for you. And there's no one else. I mean, literally, you're the first one that we thought of, and we're like, man, how's he going to do that in Gatekeepers? You know, when we're dreaming of D school and dreaming of what could it be, we're like, well, maybe you can do both. Like, we just, because we knew it was in you to train and teach the Bible to our whole spiritual family and to raise up so many more who will do the same. So I am so excited by that, and I would just say this. I'm honored to follow in your footsteps for what you've laid for the last couple of years. The fact that Mary Beth and I get to do it together, you know, and I'm, you can take the, you know, you can take the guy out of the youth ministry, but you can't take the youth out of the guy. I mean, this has been in our heart the whole time. And uh, those first few weeks of the year, the Lord was just cracking me open for young people in this way. And so the fact that our roads just intersected and are like this. I am so, so, so grateful, and I love you. I'm proud of you. You're a great man of God. You're a good son. You're a good husband. You're a good father, and you're an excellent teacher of the word, and I'm just privileged to be in your life, man. I'm so grateful for you, so this is a moment. I I don't feel like this is in any way like a negative. This is only a step forward in the kingdom. And so I am so blessed by you, Casey. Thank you for everything that you are and everything you've done. Come on. So you're going to have to stay for a little while tonight afterwards, and then we'll let you get back to sabbatical after. Because people are going to want to hug you and just say hello and touch you and love you. Um, we want to pray for you, for sure. And, and before we do that, I just, I just want to underline how great uh, John and Peter and Shelbell, I mean, you guys have been amazing. The existing team, you've been amazing. And... Uh, I mean, Becca and James, just thank you so much. You guys, yeah. these last several months, 
Y'all glued it together. You've just kept it together, and without you, this moment can't happen. So I'm super grateful for y'all. But, man, I want to pray for you. And I want to ask uh, Peter and John and Shelly to come, and we want to lay hands on you, man. We want to commission you into what God has for you next. Amen? Yeah. Step forward so we can kind of just come around the back of you. And... Did you have anything, Mary? I'm just here cutting this off. I'm so sorry. Did you want to share anything? Or... Not the appropriate it time. It is, it is, it is. This is my wife, and she's going to talk now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, some of y'all know that I was with Forerunner like two years ago for like a couple years, and it's because I love y'all, and I'm so excited about this, and um, I'm excited about being a team with my man, and we're going to be doing this together. So... The Lord. <laughs> My favorite moment in the whole transition so far was we were meeting with um, the leadership team, and I just said, do you want to share something? What do you feel? She goes, it's perfect. And I'm so grateful that we get to do this together again. All right, Casey, back in the center. Some, somebody get out the uh, oil. We have a whole gallon that we're going to pour on you tonight. Pastor Dustin, if you would. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand. Let's, let's just lean into this for a few minutes, guys. Jesus, we rejoice for you. We rejoice. We rejoice. We worship you, God. We're amazed at how you lead us. We're overwhelmed that, Lord, that your patience you're long-suffering with us. Jesus. You, you see in us what we can't see. You breathe in us. You call us. You pursue us. You form us and make us. Yes, God. But one of the great, one of the greatest privileges of my entire life has been to get to observe you, God, Father, Potter, as you have worked this lump of clay, Lord, over the years, I've got to see it up close, the joy, the pain, the struggle, the brokenness, to see it all in technicolor, and I'm just in awe, God, of your goodness and your grace. Lord, this man stands as a choice servant of you, King Jesus. He stands as an emblem of, of hope for anyone in this room that is struggling and, have, and has come from brokenness and, and pain and been lost in a far-off place. He stands as a beacon, Lord, for every one of us to give us hope, Lord, that you never give up, that you pursue and you change and you love, you redeem, you forgive, you heal, you deliver, you call, you set free. So, Lord, every one of us in this room has been able to reap the benefits of this man, Lord. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for the gift of Casey Ryan. Thank you for the gift of Casey, for the gift of Kristen. Thank you for Vivian. Thank you for Ollie. Thank you, Lord, for Charlie. Thank you, Lord, 
this incredible moment we just get to get to put a stake in the ground and we can say, look what the Lord has done. Thank you, God. Look what thank the Lord you, has done. And we say thank you. And now, Lord, in a very real way, we commission your son onto the what's next. To the what's next. Lord, even now we look through a glass darkly. We don't even fully comprehend, Lord, what you are sending him into. Lord, we live in a generation and a time. Lord, when apostasy prevails, where heresy, false teaching, deception is on the rise. And Lord, to have a church and a spiritual family that has a man at the, at the helm who is going to be called to anchor us to the eternal transcendent truths of the word. And not preaching and teaching from stagnation, but from passion and life. Lord, I thank you, Lord. That, God, this man is going to bring forth, Lord, a contagiousness. God, that we are going to catch, Lord, his hunger. We're going to catch his passion. We're going to be inspired to go deep in the word and to allow the, the plumb line of truth, Lord, to run through our hearts. Lord, because he's a testament of grace. Not because he's doing it, but because you're doing it in him, Lord. So, Jesus, we put our hands on him and we say, Lord, we say, Lord, we fan together in this moment. We fan the flame of God. We fan the flame inside of Casey to burn into brightness, God. That, Lord, you said you would pour out your spirit and you would give young man vision. And I pray, God, for vision. I pray for great vision. He would step into where he has no lack of vision. Now he would experience an absolute avalanche of vision. Lord, as he leads our whole spiritual family deeper in the word of God, we bless him. We thank you for him. We thank you. I thank you for what you've done in these past few months. God, I thank you for the gift of Billy and Mary Beth. Lord, Lord this highly unusual thing, Lord, this isn't normal in church culture. This isn't normal in church leadership. There'd be many that would say, this doesn't make any sense. This is kind of like a demotion or something. Huh. But Lord, this is beautiful what you're doing and how we flow together as family and leadership. And that God, as you've confirmed it through passion, you've confirmed it in dreams and visions. And, and now, Lord, we bless Billy and Mary Beth and the team that's going to come alongside them, that God, they would step into this place, God, and they would build upon what Casey has laid. They would build further on what Jamie and Jamie have laid, Lord, and God, you would bring forth a movement. That, God, you would make gatekeepers a beachhead for revival in our region. Anchored, God, in intercessory prayer. Lord, it would come forth from this place, God, and there would be a bright light that would shine. Lord, it would transcend the nominations. It would transcend names of churches. God, there would not be competition or competitiveness, but, Lord, it would be a place. God, it would be a refuge. It would be an eagle's nest. God, it would be a place, God, where you would bring in and you would send forth. And I thank you, Lord, that, God, every church in our region is going to be blessed. God, I thank you that, Lord, you're going to use this place, God, to bring forth a 50-mile demon-free radius in this city, God, and outpouring the Spirit like we've never seen before, Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for the gift of Billy and Mary Beth, their humility, their genuineness, their passion, and God, for what's coming. We stand amazed at who you are, Lord. So we love you. We offer our lives to you, Lord. 
we say how good and pleasant it is, God, when we can dwell together in just unprecedented, beautiful unity. I pray for everyone sitting in this room right now in the name of Jesus, that, God, they would not see themselves as a spectator in this moment, but they would be called into something greater. God, they'd be called as a participant into what you're doing. That, God, there'd be no spectators in the room, but I pray for an Isaiah spirit upon every man and woman in this room that would say, Lord, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. God, in this moment, supernaturally take that coal off of the altar and burn it, Lord, upon each of their lips. And that, God, they may not understand it. They may not have a clarity. But, God, they would have a courage that is birthed in the fire of God that destiny is unfolding in front of us, Lord. God, that's bigger and larger than we can imagine. Not building a kingdom for ourselves, but we are been entrusted with the reputation of you, Lord Jesus. And we were carried in power, Lord that we would decrease and you would increase in this place, Lord, and we would promote you and you alone. We worship you. And just reach your hands out toward Casey. Everyone, just pray right now. Everybody, if you have a prayer language, feel free to use it. If not, you can pray in English or Spanish, whatever you feel led to pray in. Just begin to pray. Seal, Lord. Seal this. Seal this, God. Just lean in, just pray, just pray. Whoever two or more agreeing on anything, we come into agreement right now in the name of Jesus. We call on the name of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Impart spiritual gifts. Fanning into flame. Fanning into flame the gifts and cause of God. Jesus, we just thank you right now for the gift of Casey. Thank you just for his ability just to lay his his life down for all these young adults and young people Lord we just I just feel like the Lord's just saying thank you well done well done that you've you've laid your life down and you've laid hours upon hours of phone calls and texts and meeting with people and discipling people and I just feel like the father's just saying well done father we thank you just even for this Igbalo moment where he's being sent to another ministry, Lord. Thank you. We just, we thank you that this is good. I just hear, I hear the Father saying, this is good. It's good. Lord, so we thank you for this good moment, God. Thank you for what you're doing in Casey. Thank you for this transition, Lord. Thank you, God, that it is good. It is from your hand. It's good, Jesus. Father, thank you that there's dozens of young adults and young people that know the word, that know Genesis 30 because of Casey, that know Mephibosheth because of Casey, Lord, that know these characters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift that you've instilled in him to teach the word about the three midwives in Exodus, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for these stories that dozens of us can tell because of the gift that you've placed inside of him, Lord. Lord, so we just thank you. Thank you that this is good, Jesus. 
This is good. This is a good and holy moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We just bless him, Lord. We bless him as he goes on to the next thing, Lord. We bless him, God. And we bless Billy and Mary Beth for stepping in, Lord. Thank you, God, for the the heart that they have to serve young people and serve us, Lord. We just bless them, Lord, that they would just, that there would be a fire that comes in this place, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the gift that you've placed in them. Lord, I thank you that you've been faithful to my brother Casey. Lord, that you've given him words of wisdom knowledge and discretion that he's just imparted it to us young people. Lord, I thank you that you're sending him into a new area, God, that you've given him to him dreams and visions of what's to come. Father, I ask that you would give him grace to press into you, Lord, in this new season. That when the enemy comes and tries to, to tell him to stop or to walk away because it gets tough, Lord, that you would just remind him of his days at gatekeepers where it was even harder. And God, I, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that, that he stuck with us, God. That he's made such a positive impact in our walk with the Lord. Just speaking for myself, Lord, I, I really don't know if I would still be in church if it weren't for the friendship I have in Casey. So I'm so thankful, God, that you sent him into my life. Father, I thank you that you are faithful to, to complete a good work in my brother's life, Lord, that you're not finished with him yet, that he has much more to come, that there's so much more to come. And God, that you've just given him this dream that's going to take him further and it's going to propel us further, God, in our walk with you. So God, I thank you for my brother, my friend, my spiritual um, teacher. God, thank you so much. And Father, I just pray for the new team coming on, Billy and Mary Beth, that you would just give them the energy and the wisdom and the knowledge and the revelation to come and to just bring newness into this ministry, Father. I ask that you would bless the ideas that you've given them in the way that they implement them, Father. That there would be, uh, that everything that they do would just be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for what you've been doing in gatekeepers over the last couple of years, Father. I ask that this transition would be a, a thing of growth and of life, that it, there would be not, that there would no, ah, that there would be um, only life that comes from it, God. That, that the enemy would not come in and confuse anyone, God, that there would be no church hurt or anything, God, but that there would only be life coming from this and newness. So God, we bless you. I thank you for these leaders. Thank you so much, Jesus. Bell. She said she'd just cry. Lord, we thank you for all these things. We accept them as your will. I thank you that the path of the righteous, it's like the, the sun and the noonday. It goes brighter and brighter and brighter. And I thank you for the steps that you've ordered 
righteous man's steps are ordered of the Lord, Casey. You're stepping into the next. So we accept that, Lord. We love you for that. We thank you for your leadership's perfect. We bless Casey. We bless this transition. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.